I did it, Darren. I did it. Woo! You just, patience. Patience. That's, 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 that's the secret. Uh, unhurried. That's, yeah, you get that in your head. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, like Darren said, I'm Clayton Holder. I'm the student pastor here at One Chapel Liberty Hill. And this is a little bit of a different crowd than I'm used to. Uh, you guys are a little taller. Uh, if I, I, all my tax students, hey, you can wave. Yeah, that's who I usually speak to every single Wednesday night. So a little bit of a different crowd here today, but uh, nothing, nothing bad at all. Um, I don't know. Um, so myself and all the other student pastors were asked to speak today at their campuses uh, about the next message on our Beatitudes series, which is those who hunger and thirst. And I thought, dang, they chose the right people for the job. Because all the youth pastors, we love to talk about food. At every single meeting we have every week, there's always at least two or three people who are like, hey guys, so you guys, uh, you guys want Jersey Mike's? You guys, wanna, you guys wanna go to the mall, hit, that, hit the Chinese buffet? You guys want that? Hmm? And it's usually always Saul um, and Zach Parsley. So if you guys know who Saul is, yeah, Adrian got it. So they're always like, we want food, we want food. Um, but with that said, I do think that a lot of us are kind of in this season of, you know, trying to eat better, you know, watch what we eat, try and stay on the healthier side of things, and, which got me thinking something, this crazy idea, and this is something that kind of God's been working with me over since the start of the year, and that's that how would we be if we put as much time and effort into our spiritual bodies as we do our physical ones? If we take that step to take care of the spiritual aspect and not just look good on the outside, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Matthew 5, 6, the NIV says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And if you look at that last word that Jesus used in that verse, it says filled, which a lot of the other translations in the Bible uh, use satisfied in there. So Matthew 5, 6 in the TLB says, Happy are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. And then, once again, Matthew 5, 6 in the NCV says, Those who want to do right more than anything else are happy, because God will fully satisfy them. This beatitude confronts all the things that we try and don't, that don't satisfy us, and all the ways that we try to be satisfied Jesus indicates that the kingdom of God seems to come to those who are unsatisfied. He uses the metaphor hunger and thirst. Have you guys ever just gotten home one day after work and you're like, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. I, I could just, I could eat a cow right now. And you go and you're like, you open up the fridge and you're looking through because your significant other told you we're not eating out tonight. And so you're looking through the fridge and you're looking through and then you get there and you're like, ah, this doesn't look good, doesn't look good. And then your eyes land on that chili that you've just been eating for the last four days in a row. I'm not speaking from personal experience or anything. Uh, I, I, don't, I totally am. Um, then you look at it and you're like, uh, I, I don't want that. But you're really hungry. Or it could be that, you know, you're out at a restaurant and once again, this may not be a personal experience, probably is. Um, and you're looking over the menu and there's just so many good things on there. Like we were at, Paige and I were at Cheesecake Factory a few weeks ago and I got lost. We ended up choosing about 12 different things that we wanted to eat 
And the way we decide is we, we, we ended up having to make a Venn diagram of this is what Clayton likes, this is what Paige wants, and then like meet in the middle for like how, how we were going to split this whole thing up. And after we ordered, like immediately after, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. I'm scared. I should have chose the other thing. But we had to go through this whole process just to do that. And then there's the whole thing about when you go somewhere and your belly starts to talk to you, right? Your belly starts speaking and it's less of, you know, looking at it and thinking. It's more of your belly talking. And so you look at this item on the menu and you go, I want that. And then you hear your belly kind of grumble and it travels up to your head. And then you hear your belly say, we need that. And so then you order like this giant like chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, corn, you get the whole thing. And then after, you know, four or five bites, you're like, I can't do it. So then you, you know, get it to go box, you know, you take it home and you put it in your fridge. You don't realize that it's in your fridge till much later on. Uh, you start to smell that little, that, you, hear that, you get that little smell that comes out, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was the leftover food. You totally forget about it. And you finally open it up, and you're like, this is a sad day for humanity. And then you have to go and throw the leftover food in the trash. It's really sad. But what a picture of life, right? <laughs> so there's this song that I wanted us to look at, uh, specifically the opening lyrics, and feel free to sing along um, if you know the words okay just feel free I'm not gonna sing no promises actually um, but just let's see what happens okay all right get a little head nod there we go <laughs> Through the fields Only to be with you Oh yeah Only to be with you I am wrong I am wrong I am scaled These city walls These city walls Only to be But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah. Good job, all of you guys. Give yourselves a round of applause. But those, those first few lyrics up until the point, you can keep that up there, Nathan, if you want real quick. Those first few lyrics... They kind of start off, if you don't like know the song, it could very easily be taken as a worship song. If you look at it, I've climbed highest mountains, I've run through the fields only to be with you. Is it Jesus chase is it you know Jesus chasing after you? Or are you chasing after Jesus? Like you get through it, but then it ends with, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That song, that lyric there ends with unsatisfaction. And when I sang that, I was like, or heard it, I was like, yeah, that's good. That's all right, cool. And then that last lyric, I was like, oh, that, that's a little different. And the last bit of those, uh, the lyrics remind me of King Solomon in the Bible. Attaining everything that he ever wanted, 
but never being satisfied. And we can see this that when we read Ecclesiastes. In the beginning of Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about how he sought after wisdom, and he figured that if he could just get that knowledge and wisdom, that he would be satisfied. In Ecclesiastes 1, 16 through 18, it says, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. See, this wisdom that he had attained, it led to like this lack of innocence. He thought he knew, he, he was like, if I just have this, I'll be satisfied. But it led to this lack of innocence and it never satisfied him. So then, okay, wisdom and knowledge didn't work. Let's go to the next thing. He's going to, I got my, he's got his career ahead of him, his passions, these achievements. He's going to, he's going to go for it, right? Let's take a look. In Ecclesiastes 2, 10 through 11, it says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So after all this hard work and time and effort and energy that Solomon had put in to get all these achievements, he still felt empty. They didn't satisfy. Which then led to him having a little bit of resentment for his job, hating going, hated going to work on Mondays, didn't really like that. Sounds relatable. Um, and he was just was hating what he was doing with his life. In Ecclesiastes 2, 17, it says... So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And you've probably heard me say that. That's like the third time I think I've said where Solomon's going, all is meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. And if I haven't, didn't say this at the front, this is a depressing book in the Bible. If you wanted a self-help book, I don't think this is it. This is more of a, if you want to be sad and like just really just, depressed. This is the one for you, okay? So despite Solomon being fed up with work and everything that he was doing, he kept working, becoming a bit of a workaholic and shifting his focus onto the next thing, which was money. He wanted his wealth and fortune because surely, surely that's what he needs to satisfy him, right? But even with all the money and his great fortune that he amassed for himself, it still fell short. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 11 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? And as he grew in popularity, so money didn't work, he started getting popular, And the more popular Solomon got, the more he felt alone. He felt more isolated. And he started to think, he was like, well, how could I not be so lonely while also being satisfied? So then he shifted his focus to all the fun things in life, according to him. Women and wine. 
and hopes that he wouldn't be lonely anymore and that he could finally, finally enjoy life and be satisfied. 1 Kings 11.3 kind of paints this clear picture of how alone Solomon really was because he said he felt alone, but in that verse it says, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. Doesn't sound like someone who was physically lonely to me. But in all of his efforts, you see that he was hungry. He had this hunger for satisfaction, jumping from one thing to the next. So when Jesus is speaking to the crowd of people on that hillside in Matthew, he's speaking to people who know what it's like to hunger and thirst. They are well acquainted with it all. And these people may actually be there because, well, they are hungry and thirsty. Many of the people on the hillside were there when Jesus fed the 5,000, so, or at least they heard about it. So they were there for more of what Jesus had to offer. They wanted more of what he could provide for them. The kingdom of God is coming to those who are poor, who mourn, who are meek, and for those who hunger and thirst, not for food, but for righteousness. And Jesus said it himself in Matthew 5, 6, that we are blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And there's this paradox in what Jesus is saying on that hillside, and that's don't be satisfied with what you can do, get, or be. Rather, live completely satisfied with a deep sense of dissatisfaction. And that can sound a little confusing. It was at first when I was kind of reading through there. So this, other, this same context here is that when we live completely satisfied with what God can do or give or be in our lives, then we'll find that those other things, they just don't satisfy us. They don't fill us. They don't measure up to what God provides. See, God is the only one that when we get filled, we want more of him, Right? When I'm spending time with God, I want more of it. When I'm going into prayer, I don't want to leave prayer. You know, I just want to keep spending my time in the presence of God. I don't want to leave. Now, how many people have ever been to, like, a camp or retreat, and, you know, you're, you're just being slain in the spirit, you're having this incredible encounter with God, and you're just, you're there in the moment, and you just, you just don't want to leave, right? And then it comes time to where you have to go home, and, you know, you go back to the real world, and you realize that you're surrounded by all these other things that just don't measure up. They just don't satisfy in the same way as when you were just spending that time with God. And it's that acknowledgement that shows us that these other things of the world won't satisfy us as much as what we get when we go and seek God. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-one says, Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. But see, there's a few obstacles that we can run into when we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And number one is that, well, we fill up on the wrong things. Imagine you're planning a hangout with, you know, family or friends, and you guys are just trying to get together, and uh, you're talking, you know your family, you know your friends, um, and they're talking, they're trying to just get out and hang, hang together, and you're like, well, I know... This isn't actually Darren. I'm not talking about you. I have an actual uncle, Darren. So when I say this, don't take offense, okay? All right. So uncle Darren. Um, so my uncle Darren, uh, like if we were getting with my together, I, my uncle Darren doesn't like food. He doesn't want to like cook for anybody or go out and eat. So he would, 
we would, I would just be like, let me just go eat myself before I meet up with everybody because I know there's not, he's, there's not gonna have food there. Sorry, Uncle Darren. But after you finish eating, you know, naturally, someone sends you a group text or a message saying, hey guys, who wants to go eat? Who wants to go to Yard House? And it's Uncle Darren. And you're like, that's completely out of the blue. So these things kind of change. And you're like, but I just ate earlier. I already filled up on my grilled cheese and tater tots. Don't you wet me. You would be like, uh, you guys couldn't have said something earlier. I totally would have gotten a yard house. That's also maybe one of my favorite places, maybe why I used it, so whoo. But you missed out on all the great food that yard house has to offer, right? Or you can imagine, you know, you're getting ready for a workout, you know, getting ready to bulk up or cut or shred. I don't know what season it is, if it's bulking season or shredding season right now, but... You want to put some good food in you, right? Right before you go work out. You know, some, some Greek yogurt, maybe a banana. You know, you want some kale. We got any kale fans in the house? Yeah. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> but the issue is that this junk food that we get um, can often, you know, taste so much better than, what, than this good stuff. Right? So a lot of the times we don't think, I want the banana, I want the Greek yogurt, I want the kale. We want the chocolate cake. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> In Hebrews 11, a chapter which is all about hungering and thirsting for God's promises, we can see that the Bible acknowledges that sin is a short-term pleasure. Hebrews 11.25 says, he, he's talking about Moses, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. See, when we fill up on the wrong things, oftentimes we're left unsatisfied and wanting more, especially like junk food. I know if I eat like a bag of potato chips or something, I'm like, that didn't really hit. I could just keep eating more. <laughs> I, I'm not, it's not filling me up. And the more we consume of the same things, the more we end up craving them, good and bad. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 says, The Lord says, All you who are thirsty, come and drink. Those of you who do not have money, come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on something that is not real food? Why work for something that doesn't really satisfy you? Listen closely to me and you will eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that satisfies. Jesus' words there are challenging us to hunger for the right things. And for some of us, that means it's time for a different meal. No more chocolate cake. And so the second obstacle that we can run into is that we're never, we've never really experienced the goodness of God. Imagine... There is this food that you love now that you didn't like when you were younger or at a different time in your life. For me, those were pork tacos. <laughs> I remember growing up, I would always just go and get bean and cheese tacos because bean and cheese is superior. At least that's what I thought. It was easy. I knew what I was getting. Hard to, really hard to mess up bean and cheese. And I would always look at the pork tacos and be like, man, 
I, first of all, I don't even like onions, so I don't want the chopped onions. Cilantro is okay, but I just, I don't want to be that guy who goes and orders, can I get that pork taco, but no onions, just cilantro and, and meat, please. Um, and it got to this point to where I was at a work par, a work lunch when I worked at Austin Sports Medicine before here, and they ordered a whole bunch of Torchy's tacos. We have any Torchy's tacos fans? Yeah. And we went to tor- order Torchy's tacos, but all they had ordered were green chili pork tacos. And so I had to come to this decision in my life where I was like, <laughs> am I going to be that guy who goes and picks out <laughs> all the onions and stuff in that taco, or am I just going to suck it up and eat it? Like, do I go, or, or just go hungry? You know, that's the other option. And I didn't, I told you as youth pastors, we like our food. So I was not about to go hungry. Um, so I said, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to do it. I got the little line. Ooh, there we go. I got the little line that came with the taco and I sprayed the little lime juice on everything. And then I said, all right, here we go. Handshaking as I get it up to my mouth. And I finally go and I take that first bite, expecting in my mind to like, you know that thing you do when you, there's a food you don't want to eat, so you just keep going. And you just keep chewing it till it's like very fine particles, so you can just kind of like slowly go down. You're just... So that's what I was anticipating I would have to do with this talk. I was like, oh, I can't let these guys see me eat this. And that moment never happened. Because for some reason, this, this taco that I had never had before, this thing I had never experienced before, was actually pretty good. And from that point on, like, I was like, man, you, we go to taco places. You, you guys heard about the pork taco? It's, it's pretty good. You know, they got the, they got the, the little diced up onions. Oh, it's pretty good with the cilantro. Oh, you put a little lime on there? Oh, yeah. Sort of acting like I knew everything about pork tacos. And I finally realized, like I said, how much I'd been missing out. I wasted all these years eating bean and cheese, still good, but didn't compare to the pork tacos that I had. And that pork taco symbolizes the goodness of what God has for us. There it is. Full circle. There we go. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So despite there being these obstacles that we, have to, that we can run into as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, there are also solutions for them. Remember, Jesus said, you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, what is righteousness? Well, there are two things, and the first is that righteousness is right standing with God. Not religion, not church attendance, not a belief, but standing right comes from a right relationship with God. Romans 5, 9 through 11 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We are made right with God by coming into relationship with him, with God. And I think a lot of people miss that. I think a lot of people just, they pull out their notebooks, they got their checklist, and they're just going by 
checking the boxes. Oh, went to church that day. Oh, I listened to a worship song here. I, or I had it playing while I was doing chores or something. I was, check this box, check that box, but they aren't really working on their personal relationship with him. And there's some of us who do have a relationship with God, like we're there, but we still don't feel satisfied. And that's because righteousness is not only right standing with God, but it is right living on earth. It's living right as God intends. But so often, we're pretty selfish people, not going to lie. As selfish as we are, we get caught up in in ourselves a lot of the times and live according to our truth. Thank you, Tawny. As you were saying that, I was like, oh, she's, she, Darren gave me the look too when he was up here. But we get caught up in ourselves and live our lives according to our truth instead of God's truth. Proverbs fourteen twenty two says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, we can choose to live our truth all we want. Like we have free will, we have the decisions to do that. But that does not, that doesn't lead to life, okay? Our truth comes from the world, and God's truth comes from him. We want to move towards God, but not have God move to what we want. You ever been talking with someone, and, you know, they're, we have, we have a lot of friends, usually like gossipers. I don't know if guys do this. Well, actually, guys do this. Girls maybe do this as well. But when you're starting to date someone, and then they go to their friend group for advice, and they get around and they go, yeah, I just can't believe it. I think he's trying to change me for who I, like, I am. You know, like, that's just not me. Like, I don't like to rock climb, you know. I don't want to go. I'm not into that sort of thing, you know. He wants to take me to some weird food. I don't know. I'm not into it. So you guys get the picture. Well, that's kind of what the gospel is. It's change from where we are to who God wants us to be. I wonder where I've seen that before. Um, and I want us to kind of land on this because I just think that it's such a powerful representation of how we should hunger and thirst for righteousness. John 4, uh, 7 through 14 in the message says, A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? And at this time, his disciples had all kind of left and went off for lunch. So it's just Jesus and this Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, was like, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught talking to uh, the Samaritans. It just wasn't a thing. That's why she was so taken aback. And Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob? who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst. Not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And Band, if you guys want to start coming back up here, you can. Oh my God. 
And see, Jesus is telling the woman at the well that if she just drinks from what he's offering her, she'll never have to thirst again. He's offering her eternal living water. And she wanted it. She told Jesus in, later on in verse 15, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. She was, she's ready to be done with that life. I get it, me too. And as they keep talking, the woman asks Jesus about worship, which he replies in verses 23 and 24 that it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. And at this time, I'd like to invite the prayer team to go ahead and make their way over here to this, my right side, your left. And as we close today, if you're someone who just needs prayer or wants someone to agree with you in prayer, or, hey, you just want to talk to someone about what you've been hearing from God today, they're over there, they're ready, just feel free to go and chat with them. But I wanted to say this other thing here real quick, and that's that there could be some of you guys here today, me included, that feel like we've been filling ourselves up with the wrong things. Or maybe we've never really experienced the goodness of God, that pork taco, and are left unsatisfied. And if that's you, I would just want to invite you into a journey into the goodness and fullness of what God has to offer. And that starts in the truth that Jesus told the woman at the well in verse 26. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Jesus said this because he was there in front of her and he's here in front of us as well. He wants to give all of us living water. We all can be like the woman at the well, thirsting for righteousness, seeking relationship with God. So dearly Father, I just, I thank you for today. I thank you for the goodness, God. I thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives, God. And I just pray that you would just help us see what's filling us up in our lives, God. I just pray that if there's anything that we need to shift our focus on, God, that we need to stop eating the, the junk, the unsatisfying stuff, God, that, that you would just show us what that is, God. We want to thirst after you like the woman at the well. We want the eternal living water that you have to offer, God. We want to partner with you. So, Father, I ask today that you would just, if we're not already on that path, that you would just cause this catalyst in our lives, God, this moment, this shift to a relationship with you. Father, we just, we want to just be in your presence. We want to hunger and thirst for what you have to offer, God. We want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and we want to be in relationship with you. So we just thank you for these and for everything, for everything that you're doing in and out, things we can't see, God. And we just Simply put, we want more of you. We want more of you. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.